Coming to you from BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Bethany Vikings Podcast. Hosted by Brock Aker, Jake Anderson, and Gabe Stace. It's time to go inside Bethany Athletics. Welcome in to the Bethany Vikings Podcast. My name is Jake and Anderson alongside Gabe Stace. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Season three, episode three here as we get ready for the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference Tournament. Um, it was a wild weekend for the conference in general. A lot of just topsy-turvy upsets. Um, all the seating, some of the seating came down to a coin flip, which we're going to get into in a bit. Um, and just a lot of just kind of chaos. Welcome to March Madness, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and yeah, want to get into it right away? Let's go. All right. So we'll start with women's basketball. Uh, two games this weekend. Um, we're going to talk to Coach Lyle Jones in a bit about not only how he felt the games went, but then just overall the schedule because he left the two probably toughest games in the conference schedule for the last weekend. A uh, game at Northwestern, followed by a game at North Central. Two of the top teams in the conference behind the Vikings. Uh, let's get your overall takes on how those games went, Gabe. Well, starting, uh, I mean, with both those games, I thought um, Bethany really played great defense. Um, maybe the best defense that we've seen um, all year. They've been slipping a little bit. Um, e- even in the, the winning streak that they've had, a lot of it has been relying on their offense, and some of that was taken away, but the defense was really good. Uh, we saw kind of like almost season low output from Hannah Geisfeld, uh, causing other players to have to step up, notably ha- Haley Meyer. Um, what did Northwestern and North Central kind of do to take away Hannah in those games? Well, North Central, um, they they brought a press. It's kind of a, a pseudo press um, where they aren't actively trying to, to get a turnover, but they'll make you work it. Um, up the floor, but both of them play a zone where they really focus on taking away the middle. And as you know, Hannah loves to be in the high post. That's where uh, Coach Jones really wants her. So that's their focus on trying to take away that. It'll be interesting moving forward. Can they try to get maybe Hannah on the wing a little bit? Maybe uh, maybe go high-low with Hannah actually as um, the low post, which we haven't seen a ton of. We've seen a little bit of this year, um, but not a lot. So it'll be interesting to see what can Coach Jones do to try to get Hannah more touches because it's no secret when Hannah touches the ball, our offense is better. You talked about that, um, Hannah, you know, being able to get touches and whatnot. Let's talk about those younger freshman guards and whatnot on the wing. How did you feel they kind of handled that press and handled those moments when, all right, Hannah can't get it going, somebody else has to step up? Well, it's clear the trust that – Coach Jones has in Ashanti Boykin. She's been playing a ton lately, and she's done a really nice job just um, bringing the ball up the floor. But overall, when when Hannah does is able to get the ball, um, Haley Meyer is such a good cutter. Uh, Laura um, also had some good cuts. Uh, I'm thinking especially um, in the game against Northwestern. Um, but when those guards are, are cutting, and then you can have Alexis or Taryn or Ashley um, – when they get some ball reversal going, try to knock down some threes. That's really what they're trying to do offensively. So looking at the um, the stats for that North Central game, you talked about Ashante Boykin um, kind of being a player that, you know, she's had to control a lot of the point and whatnot this year uh, due to different injuries and just kind of being like one of those other leaders, uh, not a freshman, uh, essentially is the way I'm trying to get at it. But 
Um, three for four, three-point shooting. We haven't seen Ashante taking threes and shooting shots like that before. No, it was good to see. I mean, she's been open a lot this year. I think teams have learned, hey, we can give her some space. Well, she finally took advantage of that space, um, especially in the fourth quarter, hit two huge threes, king a comeback against North Central. Uh, 17 points for Haley Meyer to lead the Vikings in scoring in that one. Um, let's look at that Northwestern game, an overtime loss. Uh, if the Vikings had won that game, they would have clinched outright the regular season title, um, second year running that they've had to share that title with, uh, this Northwestern team. Um, a lot of turnovers from the Vikings in that game had 21 turnovers, Going into tournament play now, it definitely feels like the Vikings are going to have to key in not only on defense and keep up that defensive intensity, but they got to take care of the ball. Yeah, and it's both on the pass and on the catch. Um, a few times just see some mental lapses where, you know, balls come in, they're open and um, goes off their fingertips out of bounds. But especially on those passes, when teams are playing zones and packing up the middle, You've got to make sure of that pass, um, whether that's with a ball fake and then reverse, whatever it is, you've got to make sure that that pass is going to get there on time and on target. So we mentioned that overtime loss to the Eagles, and uh, you might be wondering how the seeding works out. Well, the Vikings got the one seed, Eagles got the two seed. There wasn't much between them, though, and so much so that it came down to a coin flip, of all things, um, and, which is interesting to note because we're in an era now where there's a lot of... Um, attention to coin flips especially you look at the nfl deciding games and whatnot we just had a coin flip decide the seating so i want to ask you gabe you're pulling up the sheet right now um what all goes into deciding the team or the seeds on a tiebreaker for the conference tournament yeah well obviously beyond winning percentage in the umac um next it goes to head-to-head records obviously um northwestern and bethany split then it goes to records um, against all teams that are above you in the conference. Well, they're the two top teams. Um, then record in descending order, no losses there for either team. Um, then it goes to road conference record. They both um, lost to each other on the road. And then it goes to a coin flip. You got to wonder, is that something that the UMAC will look into to try to make it more controllable? Uh, but thank goodness for Vikings <laughs> fans that... Um, should we make it that far that um, that conference championship game in the tournament will be at home? I, and two years ago, uh, before all the COVID craziness happened, the pandemic hit and whatnot, uh, the Vikings hosted their first conference championship game at the Sports and Fitness Center here on Bethany's campus. It was wild in there. It was jam-packed. Everybody was going nuts. The men's game was just before it. Um, so the arena was just packed with fans and whatnot. So it's going to be interesting to see now if it gets to Bethany and we get that far and whatnot, uh, championship Saturday might be really loud and crazy again because those are two evenly matched teams going into that game if it gets down to Bethany and Northwestern. For sure. Fan support will be huge. Um, it can it can make the difference between a win or a loss. All right. Let's transition over to the men's side of things. Um, men's basketball, two really, really tough losses to Northwestern and North Central, each by a point, uh, came down to the final possessions. Noah Alm of Northwestern hit a, 
shot that probably hit the backboard in the rim like five or six times. I, I watched that, and it just it bounced, and then it hit the top of the backboard. Then it hit one side of the rim. Then it hit the other. Then it hit the front, and then it went in. And it was like, how many more bounces could that ball take and um, just to go in and whatnot? And it just it felt like it just halted what all the momentum that the Vikings had going for them heading towards this conference tournament. Yeah, Northwestern seems to find a way to make tough shots uh, at the end of games. Um, that's something with that the Vikings have struggled with in these tight losses. I mean, you look at offense down the stretch, almost non-existent against um, Northwestern. Then in the final three minutes against North Central, uh, couldn't make a bucket until the final few seconds. Um, so that's something. Free throws, too. I know we discussed if they make their free throws, they probably win the game yeah, against Northwestern. Brian Smith uh, in that Northwestern game had a one and one chance to put the Vikings up by three. Ended up missing the front end of that. He's a, usually an 80% free throw shooter. I mean, that is really good um, free throw shooting. And just he, he missed the front end of a one and one. And that allowed Noah Alm to go down and hit. A, I'll give Kyrie Mayfield credit on this one. He had some great defense on that play. Like Alm just... I think the size of Alm having a couple inches of height advantage just allowed him to shoot it over Kyrie and then got the shooter's touch off the bounces and whatnot. But, you know, just a tough break there and what was just a crazy end to that one. Yeah, you look at some of the playmakers that both Northwestern and North Central have, sometimes they just make shots. That's how, that's the way the basketball goes. So looking at um, the conference standings now, Northwestern won outright. Um, the regular season championship, the Vikings had a chance that if they would have swept this weekend, they could have uh, clinched a share of it. But with the win on Friday, that gave Northwestern the outright. Um, then two through four kind of got a little interesting. So I'll let you kind of walk through what happened and how all the tiebreakers went out with that because we had North Central, Crown, and Bethany all tied at nine and five. Yeah, as you mentioned, all at nine and five. So first thing... Again, it's the head-to-head records. Well, this was interesting because North Central swept Bethany, Crown swept North Central, and Bethany swept Crown. So that was all a wash after all that. Um, However, where Crown got the two seed um, was the cumulative record against all teams above them in the conference. They, They gave Northwestern their only loss, their only UMAC loss of the season. So that gave them the two seed. Obviously, Bethany was swept by North Central, so that dropped us to four. So now looking at um, the games coming up that we have uh, starting Tuesday, uh, coverage of those games starting around 5.30 uh, p.m. on Tuesday afternoon or evening. You can find coverage for that starting on blcvikings.com with the women's game against Northland. Last time we saw Northland, they gave a lot of looks um, defensively, and that's something that I'm going to ask Coach Jones about later in the podcast is um, they're able to shift their defense from a man-to-man to 2-3 to 1-3-1 to, to this, to that, to this, to that, half-court press, full-court press, different things like that. What do you think that does to a team psychologically where it's like you're coming down the floor and it's like, all right, what defense are they in now? Especially in the age we are in basketball where it's you have 30 seconds on that shot clock before you have to have a shot hit the rim. Well, you've got a couple options. First thing, when you grab the rebound, you you go, you run. Um, everyone's sprinting, and obviously we've seen all the outlet passes to Hannah this year where she just gets an easy layup and is out in front of everybody. Um, then the other option is, yeah, you slow it down, you analyze what defense they're in, and, and 
try to work it around, get a quality look. But for me, the thing I'm looking at, um, Northern College obviously not being a big threat in the UMAC, um, the more defenses they can throw at us, the better moving forward. Um, another thing, too, could be like if that game turns into a runaway, uh, we could see Coach Jones maybe pull some players and give them rest for a potential matchup Thursday against the four or five seed um, and possibly give his players rest and whatnot moving forward and um, things like that. So that could be another advantage for Bethany, too, whereas if they can come out the gates right away um, and not allow Northland to kind of hang around and whatnot, they could give a, like players like Hannah, players like Ashley, Taryn, Alexis, Haley Meyer, Laura, Ashante, like they could give all those players a little bit more rest and keep them fresher for Thursday when the team that they would play Thursday may not be as fresh. Yeah, that's a good point. I think getting off to a strong start, as you mentioned, for that reason um, would be ideal. Uh, the Vikings this year, um, plus 12 in the first quarter, plus 90 in the fourth quarter. Um, and we've seen them be pretty steady throughout on that defensive end too. So um, a lot to look forward to on Tuesday for the women's side, but now the men's side, which this is interesting because this men's team, I think the general feeling is they're probably the most dangerous because they are not a four seed. This team is too talented to be a four seed. Just a couple of losses, you know, the difference in that. And they're facing a team in Superior that they could also surprise some people too. What are you looking forward to in that one? No, Superior, like a few of the teams on the men's side, they have the ability, I think, to beat anyone just with how big and physical they are. Um, so for the Vikings, it, obviously, if they can step up and, and try to run, counter that a little bit, hit some threes, I think that's going to be huge. Give them some confidence. Give them some mojo back. Um I, I love to see some big-time shot-making just to get the guys going a little bit. So looking at the history between these two teams, Vikings overall 12-3, and three, uh, currently on a six-game win streak dating back to uh, February 22nd of 2020. 9-0 um, at home against the Yellow Jackets, a superior 3-3 um, three and three on the road. Uh, the two games this year, it was 68-66, um, up in Superior, and then you had a 79-66 here in Mankato back in February. So generally speaking, we should expect probably 66 points from Superior just (laughs) because that's what they hit in both games. Um, But you get the feeling that it. we heard Shrupp and Nielsen say it, that their defense is going to carry them. They they go as far as their defense allows them to. They're going to have to play some tough defense now, um, especially after winning this one, possibly having to go on the road. Um, to Northwestern, have to play in Northwestern, a place they haven't played since 2012. And then depending upon what happens on the other side of the bracket, they may either have a home game, uh, depending upon if there's a seed lower than the four seed, or they're going to have to go on the road again and try to win on the road to get back to that national tournament. So again, it, it really feels like their defense is going to have to carry them this postseason. Yeah, and I tell you what, um, for the most part, their defense has been playing a lot better recently. Um whether it's been in the, in the second half of games, like we saw um, against Crown at home, the game against Northwestern, I thought they played lights out defense pretty much the entire game. I mean, that's what kept them in the game. Um, even when they didn't have the best offensive night, if they play great defense, they're, they're very scary. They held Northwestern to 68 points. I mean, Northwestern is a team, uh, when they played them the first time, 
Northwestern, I think, had 96 or something yep. like that. Like, they they just went out and ran the floor and ran the floor and ran the floor, and it was a back-and-forth game. All it was was shooting. This time, they went to Northwestern and brought the intensity on that defensive end and held them to 68 points. Really, were a couple free throws away from potentially winning that game. Yeah, and obviously, I'd have to think that's going to be the message from Garvin. We're going to get to that interview a little bit later on, but um, ask him how he'll approach that. But defense, defense, defense. All right, let's move over to track and field now. Um, a sport that I'm pretty well versed in and uh, can kind of break things down. We're also going to have Coach Michael Dunn on in a little bit as well as he'll talk about um, what he's looking forward to on the track side of things. Um, I think you have to start out with the year that freshman Stephanie Whiprod has brought to this Vikings team. Um, with her addition and being able to just do almost everything uh, and her athletic background and whatnot, it, Bethany has a solid chance to dethrone Minnesota Morris for a conference title, which would be the first track and field team title that Bethany's track and field program has ever seen, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and you think of what that can do for recruiting, obviously attention. With, with all the success that Bethany Athletics has had in the past, to get the, the track and field team you know, up to speed with that would be awesome to see. I mean, if you're ever in the sports and fitness center and you look up at the, there's a whole row of banners essentially on the um, bleacher side um, across from where the teams sit that is just individual champions for cross country and track and field. There is no team banner up yet. Um, so obviously hope that um, we can kind of pull that out and whatnot. And I think the general feeling is high and whatnot, but it's going to... Um, it's going to be a whole team effort. You're going to have to have everybody kind of in line with that. Um, I'll ask you this. You know, we have team sports like basketball um, where, you know, everybody has to kind of be on board and whatnot. Um, track and field is often labeled as kind of an individual sport, but meets like this, um, how do you feel that, like, that team aspect kind of um, comes into play and whatnot and, like, running for your team rather than running for yourself? Yeah, you, you've got to give your best. Um, uh, best way I can relate to it is in golf. Hey, um, say I don't have my best round going. I know that if I'm literally just playing for myself, I might try to you know experiment a little bit, pack it in, um, send send a driver when, when I shouldn't. But um, when you're in that team environment, you've got to stay locked in. You have to say, hey, I might not be having my best day personally, but I've got to do everything I can to, to get to the finish line, to get myself pumped up for this jump, whatever it is, um, so that, you know, if others are having their, their top day, you can be part of the, the, the solution to winning. Um, I'm glad you took it that way because I, I knew in your golf background, obviously, a golf, another sport that's kind of labeled as like more individual, but there is that team aspect too of um, trying to win a conference championship that way. Um, looking at the men's side of things, um, on the men's side, um, Wisconsin Superior, uh, in talking with Coach Dunn before this, um, they're projected to win by 180 points, which to put that into perspective, the second place team is only projected to score around 110 points, give or take. It would take the rest of the conference just to match the score of Superior's um, ending score based off of paper projections. Um, but Bethany has the chance uh, on the men's side to 
finished second, would which would be the highest uh, finish for a men's team at a conference meet like this. So a lot to still play for if you're the men's team. And Jake Marzinski, um, currently ranked 23rd in the nation in triple jump, looking to possibly break his UMAC record for indoor and triple jump. Um, any other th- things you're looking forward to out on the men's side? Well, obviously, Jake's a headliner um, yourself. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awkward pause <laughs> but um i'm sorry what was the question um any any other keys you kind of want to look forward to we can talk about jake that is okay we could talk about marzinski for a little bit because he's not only looking at uh possibly winning triple jump he has long jump he has 60 meter hurdles and possibly a four by four banner to defend as well yeah and going back to the team thing when you're projected to be that far behind there's no defense in um in a competition like track and field or or in golf say um does that give you any freedom as an athlete to just be like okay i just go out there and and run there's no maybe the pressure's off you a little bit just go out and perform it best i think it definitely does just because of the fact that you have nothing to lose essentially and you know it's about as good of a foregone conclusion as you can. I mean, Superior, they they just have they have such a good distance program. They have such a good throws program. They can compete in pretty much everything else. They're looking at putting people in pole vault just because um, our conference doesn't really have designated like pole vault uh, people uh, or athletes per se. Um, so they're, they're just able to throw kind of everything at the wind and be like, hey, we're just going to go out and get as many points as possible. Um, for us... You know, knowing that the gap is that big, the biggest thing is we're just trying to go catch a jersey and we're trying to maybe steal some points and whatnot and see where we can get. Um, you know, for a lot of our team, this is the first time that they're having a conference meet like this. We talked about freshman Stephanie Whitbrod, but then Carter Jack, uh, Josiah Hoppy, just to name a few other individuals who haven't had um, a season like this. And even sophomores, um, Megan McHugh comes to mind, Kayla Tobin, uh, different athletes like that that haven't had a full year of training like this. This is their first chance to really kind of feel what a full season like this is like and uh, really kind of put their best foot forward. So I think in terms of, you know, all right, hey, you're projected to be this far behind. It's more of a question now of, all right, how close can we actually get this? How many points can we steal from this team? Um, and different things like that just to kind of see what happens and, um you know, we've put in a lot of work to try to get there, try to get to certain goals in certain places and whatnot. So we'll kind of see what uh, what happens here this weekend um, as we'll go up to the University of Wisconsin-Superior. You can almost bet if Bethany's basketball teams make it to the conference championship game, that bus ride, we're going to try We're going to figure out any way possible to get that, those games up on the screen, maybe even get both games at the same time. We'll see. But, um, yeah. So, aside from, oh, do you have someone? Well, I'm just going to say yeah, exciting times for basketball, for uh, indoor track and field, um, end of the season approaching, and maybe quicker than uh, than we're expecting, but also softball, too. They're, they got their season started. Softball to get their season. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get to softball. They're actually, um, at the time where we're recording this here on Sunday, they just started their second doubleheader here. So, you want to get into a little bit of softball here quick? Oh, for sure. All right, I mean, let's do it. Second program win on, on Saturday. They opened their season against Luther College. 
um, with a 9-7 win in that one, and then a 13-2 beating of McAllister College. So two big wins for the program, and um, like so many other sports, like basketball, we saw um, a lot of times early in the season a tougher schedule for them to get two wins. Uh, they're proving why they were picked number one in the coaches' poll in the conference. Yeah, that just came out um, this past week. Uh I think it I think it took me a little bit by surprise because normally um we'll see like a team like Northwestern um in the past we've seen like St. Scholastica or something like that kind of taking that top spot. Um there's been a lot of um growth on that women's side. They had a bunch of freshmen come in this year and already kind of taking off and um able to get a score a couple wins that McAllister game only went 5 innings. They they uh they ten run ruled them uh pretty early on in that one so it'll be interesting to watch I think the biggest thing and I remember this back from my freshman year um in watching our softball team play is we hosted the tournament uh and Northwestern came in I think as the five seed and were able to just win the whole thing so you you definitely can't count like a Northwestern team like that out but I mean a good start here for that softball program um. And just kind of like basketball, where we saw the women's team see are projected to be one, and the um for the Vikings, and then the Eagles were projected to be two, and then on the men's side it was flip flop. Same thing happened for baseball. Um, baseball projections came out. Northwestern projected to win their second conference uh, championship with Bethany being second behind them. So it's going to be interesting to watch all year long, and I'm assuming a lot of those games are going to be must watch TV. Yeah, I'm, and with a sport like softball, baseball, um, obviously lots of parity. Anything can happen in a given game, especially when you look at pitchers have good game, bad game, offense gets going. A um, lot of ways that you can find a way to win against, theoretically, a better team. All right, anything else you want to cover with uh, anything? Well, well uh, one shout-out, uh, Kayla Senev, uh, freshman pitcher for uh, Bethany Women's Softball, um, a redhead too, so... <laughs> so go us but um in in the five inning game against McAllister she, she pitched all five innings give up just one earned run so good start to her career you picked a good shirt to wear today too got the red on supporting uh Bethany that way picked a good school to go to I mean our colors are red and white so um got a lot of got a lot of uh red apparel huh Gabe that's for sure a lot of red in my in my what's the word I'm looking for jeans no, I got blue jeans blood? on. In my blood. There you go. In my closet. A lot of there you go. In my closet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to some interviews. How about? Let's do it. All right. First up, we have Coach Lyle Jones here on the Bethany Vikings podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now on the podcast in his 20th season as head women's basketball coach for the Vikings and just coached the Vikings to a third straight regular season conference title Head coach Lyle Jones. Lyle, great to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here. It's uh, always nice to talk a little bit about sports and Bethany. So, I'll first off, I just want to congratulate you again on winning uh, the third straight regular season uh, conference championship for your team. Uh, what was the overall feeling um, in the locker room afterwards? Well, it's kind of like every championship for the last couple of years. Uh, they're just excited. They're throwing water on the coaches <laughs> and on each other. Uh, I know with Ashante, I mean, in this game, she had three huge threes, and they were dousing her with some water. And so uh, it was just uh, all that emotion comes out. It was great. 
That's awesome to hear. So you, as I mentioned, you're in your 20th season as um, head coach of the women's basketball team here at Bethany, but you've also had other coaching experiences, not um, not just in basketball. At one point, you were a head softball coach. At one point, a defensive coach in football. You've also been an athletic director. What have those different experiences in sports and administration and coaching kind of been like and taught you for how you approach coaching here at Bethany? You know, I think the the experiences really do help you in your career. Uh, first of all, I think it really makes you think about other programs, uh, the total programs, not just yours. Uh, like at Bethany here, I was AD, started a softball program, coached soccer here. And it kind of gives you a balance of even men and women. I coached both men and women at the college level. And uh, just the biggest thing I, I can think of, uh, Jake, and is, is just the – you're looking out for every program, you know, and you also get to distinguish between coaching both genders too. And all of those in different sports too, it's kind of like being a uh, dual ass, uh, athlete too. You know, you learn from different sports as far as the physicality goes and the mental uh, part of it. The same thing goes with the coaching. It really helps you with the strategy. All right. Um, and then again, looking at, um, the past couple of years, you went from 2019, 2020, getting to the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Then you had a COVID shortened season last year. Um, now back to a full season this year. What was that kind of like for you, uh, for how you approached your duties and jobs as a coach? Well, I can tell you it was really difficult because as we started this season now, we really looked at our, our team and basically they're all freshmen because of the COVID year. They had, I think we only had 10 games, so they're really all freshmen. So you get those freshman mistakes, so to speak, out of the majority of your team. So you're trying to clean up uh, all those aspects of, of the game uh, the mental aspects, the physical aspects uh, of just doing things correctly. So being more efficient and effective, spent a lot of time on that. And we still are at this point of the season. That is something that we noticed throughout the years. It was a lot of younger players kind of being able to step up and make plays throughout the season. Um, looking at your senior leaders in both Hannah and Laura, um, obviously I think Hannah speaks for herself in terms of the amount of production that she has on the floor, uh, the leadership that she shows, you know, celebrating her teammates and whatnot. But I want to talk about Laura for a second because um, we've mentioned her a bunch in our broadcasts over the past couple of seasons that she does all of the little things that don't necessarily show up in the um, scorebook and the stat sheet and whatnot. What has it been like for you to watch her going from this, um, you know, quiet kind of soft-spoken <laughs> freshman to now this senior leader here for this team? It's been a journey for me and also for Coach Purpose, uh, my associate coach, is to see her go from she came in, she definitely, Jake, and very quiet, uh, quiet leadership. And uh, even within the last few weeks, uh, her leadership of individual meetings she's had with a few players and, you know, if they're down uh, during a few games or maybe they didn't play well, she really picks them up. Um, she's in elementary education. She's going to be a great teacher. She cares a lot about everyone on the team. And, and then you, know, you said, you know, Hannah does it by example. Uh, she also does it verbally, but Laura, since she's so quiet, when she does say something, it carries a lot of weight. All right. Looking at this year now, um, we talked about this with Laura when she was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I think we brought it up too with Ashley and Taryn last week. Uh, your schedule this year was by far probably one of the <coughs> toughest that I've seen in my time here at Bethany and that a lot of those, uh, a lot of your players have said, you know, yeah, it was very demanding. 
13 of your first 14 games on the road. You had four top 25 opponents on your schedule. What was that like, you know, kind of looking through it beginning of the year and like, all right, yep, this is what we're doing and off we go. I think, you know, as you look at the, again, the total program, the UMAC program in our conference, if you want to be rated in the and top in the country or you want to get uh, looked at for even an at-large bid, you got to have tough people on your schedule. Uh, it was the ninth toughest uh, schedule in the country for Division Three, wow. And uh, I think the experience that the girls get from that, whether they're close games and, and we, we beat some of those top-rated teams, it really pays off during, towards the end of the season here. But even to walk into some of those arenas that we play in now that they're state schools and they're some of them are brand new they're just they look like Mankato State's uh, just beautiful buildings and they're a little in awe you know and then once they start playing so nothing's going to affect them coming down the stretch here but I think for our program for the UMAC uh, conference uh, it's just great to schedule tough teams uh, you just learn so much. I know Laura had mentioned that you you had a somewhat of a similar schedule. It maybe wasn't the exact same teams, but you had a similar schedule in terms of how tough it was going to be, how demanding it was going to be. And she said she was so excited to play that. Uh, and then COVID happened, it shortened season, only conference games. Um, did you feel like the players were all generally like, yep, let's go, let's we want to you know attack this and whatnot, especially at the beginning of the season with wins against uh, UW Oshkosh and Eau Claire. Is that what the feeling kind of was? Absolutely. And those are some of the returners from that shortened season. But then you got to pull along those freshmen that they don't know anything. They've never been anywhere or they don't even know what this means to be playing these top rated teams. They found out real quick what it means. <laughs> so it was it was really good. And our, our returners were really up for it. So we've seen quite a few just kind of injuries and bugs kind of happen <laughs> throughout the year to some key players. Sarah Kotke went out with an ACL injury. Taryn Christensen um, had some of her own injury issues. But then we've also seen um, a bunch of players kind of step up and fill some pretty key positions down the stretch here late. Um, you mentioned Ashanti Boykin has been playing really, really well the past couple of weeks, kind of taking that point position. Um, Alexis Cloyd and Haley Meyer, both uh, true freshmen, if you will, um, stepping up and have really kind of grown as the season has gone on. And then even somebody like Ashley Shindell, who has just found the stroke lately. Um, what has that been like? Uh, when you have so many key players go out and then there you have players come in so that way the team doesn't miss a beat. You know, one thing we talk to those players about, specifically those four too, um, is listen and do. And that's what they've been doing in practice. I, I'll just take Ashley, for example. We told her, you know, you're offensively a great threat, but you've got to step up your defense and you've got to play uh, sound, uh, efficient defense. And so she's concentrated on that. Ashante, in practice the last, I think, month, we said, you're going to shoot from these two spots in practice. All your shots are coming from here because that's what they're, they're going to leave you open in these spots. Last night, she hits three threes, and the opposing coach, Paul, asked me, he goes, what the heck happened with her? I said, well, we've been working on things. So each one of those young ladies is looking at really executing what we've been telling them in practice, and it kind of shows through in how they're playing now. And it's awesome to see that happen, too, especially being able to wrap up the number one seed. Let's talk about this past weekend. You had two away <coughs> games at Northwestern and at North Central. As if your schedule wasn't tough enough having the opponents you had at the beginning of the season, to wrap it up with two of the top teams in the conference, what was that like? Uh, give us your thoughts from the games and 
um, just kind of overall how you felt the games went and whatnot. We'll start with Northwestern first. Well, I think with Northwestern or North Central, as far as the team goes, that's why we had that schedule, that preseason schedule. I don't think it really affected them. This is another conference game. Yes, those two teams are good, but we've played some top uh, national-ranked teams. So let's go in there and let's play. So that's kind of where it was from the team level. Um, individually, like or from the coaching standpoint, we just knew we had to try to get things done. Northwestern's a great team. North Central, I think, is third right now. Um, so having us play the two, basically the top three teams on the weekend – it was a great situation, and it could have gone one way or the other. Um, obviously, with the Northwestern game, it would have been nice to try to get that in overtime. Uh, we missed a couple shots, but uh, it's really good for the girls. Um, one thing I know you had, I had you in class first semester, which was pretty fun. Did um, you get in there, an A? I, I think so. I hope it was an A. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but one thing I know when you were talking about coaching philosophy and um, different things like that for this year, you were preparing that the defense really needed to step up and that it wasn't just going to be we can rely on our offense. You were going to have to win on the defensive end, get turnovers, and then be able to take care of the basketball on the other end. Northwestern, we didn't really see that happen in terms of how many turnovers that were forced on that offensive end. Coming into tournament play now, what do you think are going to be some of the keys again um, to make a tournament run and possibly get back to that national tournament? I, I still think defense is the key, and, and that's a cliche, but it, it's true. It rings true. Usually your offense is always going to come through. you got your players that can score. Uh, we, we really focus on trying to hold opponents' best players down. Um, and the teams are going to look at, you know, double, triple teaming Hannah. And so our players offensively now are going to have to step up. And we've seen that with Haley Meyer. And I think she's, in the last few games, she's probably averaging maybe 17, 18, 19 points a game. Before that, uh, she might have been averaging six or seven. So other players are stepping up. Ashley Shindell has stepped up in the shooting area offensively. But we are always stressing defense, 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 and uh, boxing out, rebounding. That gets our fast break going. Um, so as we move into the tournament, same kind of things we're going to be stressing. It seems like um, <clears throat> defense really honestly has been the key. Look at the stats. Um, in the first quarter, the Vikings are only outscoring opponents by 12, but then in the fourth quarter, when it comes down to crunch time, you're outscoring opponents by 90. What is kind of the key? Because a lot of people might look at that and say, oh, well, Bethany just gets out slow and finishes fast. Is it just, you know, take a little bit to get the shots falling, but our defensive intensity remains all four quarters? Or what's kind of the keys with that? I think it's a lot of things. Uh, the intensity definitely on offense and defense. Uh, anytime you come down to crunch time, the intensity level goes through the roof. Uh, I think there's also adjustments that are made late in the game, and we're definitely making them in, in the defensive end and also in the offensive end. took us a little while, like in our last game with North Central, we kind of flipped to our, our 21 offense, which kind of spread it so they couldn't double Hannah. And then if they did, we had open threes. So, you know, making adjustments, the intensity level is gonna, always going to go through the roof in the fourth quarter. So let's look ahead now to the conference tournament. You have your first first matchup against the eight seed Northland College Lumberjills. Uh, coverage for that starts at five thirty on blcvikings.com. For those wanting to watch, um, when you played the Lumberjills a couple weeks ago, they had kind of just a morphing defense that went from a man, then it went to two three, then it was three two, then all of a sudden it's one three one. As a coach. How is that kind of difficult to adjust to? Because you almost have to play possession by, by possession to know like what they're going to do on defense. There's a few things that we do. Uh, we have a couple offenses that we run that 
basically forces them to play what we want. If they're a zone, we can make them play man-to-man by a type of defense or offense that we run. Um, and that kind of goes with uh, teams that try to do that to get you off center. Um, we'll flip right into two of those offenses and run those, and we know exactly what we're going to get out of those. All right. Uh, <clears throat> final question here for you. Um, and it's not really a question. It's more of a sentence, I guess. But finish the sentence here. <laughs> Bethany will win their fourth straight conference tournament title if... Wow, that's a that's a good one. Uh, I would say if we'd win our fourth a conference title or conference tournament title, if our defense is as hard as it possibly can be and as efficient as it can be, and then offensively, I think would we'd win it if we run things correctly. And again, I, I'm big on this. Mostly, people say it's cliche, but efficiency and effectiveness on both ends of the floor are huge. Um, and I think we'll be locked in for that. Uh, again, the last three games before you get to a national tournament, people lock in really tight. Well, we want to wish you all the best. Uh, having the number one seed obviously helps, um, and being able to play those home games as well. Um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, and uh, good luck the rest of this week with the uh, conference tournament. This has been uh, Coach Lyle Jones on the Bethany Vikings podcast. Thanks, Jake. Nice to be here. I'm now joined by second-year men's basketball head coach, Pat Garvin. Coach, how's it going? It's going well. Going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on. Um, just to kind of put a perspective on anything, it's been a crazy, crazy weekend, a couple extremely tough losses for your team. What does it mean to come home for you, uh, win or lose, and just be a dad? <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm thankful for it because it helps me uh, get perspective um with that and so yeah it, it's uh yeah she's awesome I'm, I'm thankful for her i, I have a great wife uh, and, a, and a great daughter obviously that that really helps put things in perspective uh with that and, and honestly I, we have a great team uh f- full of awesome guys that help uh help get through some they were two great games that if you find a way to win them you're talking about them for a long time right and then uh and uh we just came up a little bit short but uh yeah it's it, it's awesome to to come home to it to uh she doesn't know if we win or lose and so <laughs> Uh, I'm thankful for that when you see a smile on her and my, my wife sent me a video of her on the bus ride home last night and uh, that, that changed that helped me get over it a little quicker than uh, than usual for sure and speaking of your team um, the team honored your father Rick with a banner in his memory early in November what kind of influence did he have on you and what does that gesture say about your program yeah, he, he had a ton. He had a ton. He was my biggest supporter, biggest fan uh, that, that I've ever had. And so that, that was a tough deal that this last summer. And, uh, yeah, for the team to do that and f- former teammates uh, of mine uh, to, to honor my dad and my family like that, uh, it, it was it was pretty special for me and, and my entire family. For me to walk out onto the practice floor every day and uh, be able to see him and, and knew he was watching anyways, but to, to see that banner and uh, I look at it every time before games, uh, before I walk out there and, uh, I know he's watching us. I know he'd be proud of this team too. He, he would love, he would love this group. And, uh, um, but yeah, he, he was, a that was an awesome guy. He was special to me. He was awesome. Uh, like I said, awesome dad. And, uh, he, he meant a lot to me, a big influence in my life, just work ethic and, and integrity on things. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, uh, thankful for the time obviously I have with him and, uh, thankful for those memories. And it, it was a pretty cool honor for him and my family. What made you want to get into coaching, and what drew you to as an assistant at Benedictine University in Arizona? What? Oh, sorry, what was the part of that about Benedictine? Well, what What drew you into? Drew you down there? 
Yeah, that yep, area. For sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I actually, uh, like in high school, uh, had a great high school coach and then and, and Trent Skolsky and, uh, you know, him and I had always talked about being a coach and, and that was kind of one of my things that I, I knew I wanted to do when I was like a freshman in college. I was kind of probably thinking I was going to be a high school social studies teacher and high school coach and think that'd be a pretty good life. And then uh, college coaches and, and stuff and other coaches I've had kind of led me into thinking, hey, you should, you should try to do the, uh, the college thing. And w- was fortunate uh, to have, you know, play for Coach Jedlow and, and Coach Balza. So I got to see a couple different philosophies on things and uh, thankful for the time that I had for, with those guys. And they've, you know, I've modeled certain things after each guy that I played for. Uh, so I was actually fortunate to be able to play for two different coaches like that. And then, uh, you know, thankful for Greg Holsteader giving me a chance right out of right out of uh, when I get done playing. I got hired right back at Bethany uh, my first year and uh, gave me a chance. And, and then and then uh, Coach Matt Morgan-Taylor over at MSU has uh, opened a lot of doors for me as far as giving me a chance as a GA, brought me back as a full-time guy. And um, so that, that – uh, that helped the career a little bit, and, and so uh, what drew me down to Arizona. Uh, that was, uh, was hadn't been wasn't married yet. We were about to be married, and uh, it was kind of the opportunity. It was a full time coaching gig. Uh, that knew the head coach down there a little bit, knew a lot of people that knew him, uh, and it was really unique down there. Was it, it was a brand new program. Uh, they had never had. There was first year of athletics down there, first year of the men's basketball program. So I thought it was a unique opportunity to go down there. I was newly married. Go uh, go live in Arizona for a couple of years and, and coach some basketball. So I thought it'd be a good. It was awesome. We had two years. We won the league in the second year down there and uh, tied for the conference championship in our second year down there. And so it was uh, it was a cool experience. It was great to be. And I decided to come back to the cold winters though after a while. So uh, yeah, but no, it was uh, it was awesome being down in Arizona for sure. Um, as a head coach here, obviously no fans in the stands last year. Does it feel any different personally when you're coaching in a noisy gym? Yeah, it, it makes more special a little bit. It makes more fun, uh, for sure. I, I love our gym. I think our gym gets really loud. Uh, with that, we've had great support. Great support from the community. Great support from our student section and, uh, and team baseball team leading the way, and, and other teams that have been out there supporting us. Uh, it's been awesome. It, ma- it makes it fun. That's what it's. That's what it's supposed to be, right? And especially this time of year in college basketball, going on the road. There was great crowds at Northwestern and North Central. Um, that's that's what you. That's why you play. That's why you coach is to to uh, compete in those kind of environments. And so it was, it, it's fun. It makes it more fun. It's, it's last year we had like 20 people on the stands. It was still cool, right? You're still competing. Uh, but it makes it a little more special when you got some people out there. You mentioned something a couple of weeks ago in your post-game press conference that caught my attention. Um, the, speaking of the Friday, Saturday schedule, you prep for Friday's opponent all week. And it, when I listen to that, I'm thinking to myself, can that really be true? Um, tell me the reasoning behind doing it that way. And then does your coaching staff, do they work on Saturday's opponent ahead of time? Yeah, I'll answer the second part. Yes, 100%. We, we, uh, we, we watch film on both teams uh, throughout the week. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely, uh, as a staff, prepare for both games, both Friday and Saturday. Um, but as a team, yeah, we, uh, we focus all in on Friday. I just think it's too hard to retain two scouting reports and game plans throughout the week. That's the number one reason behind it. Uh, you know, so we may – intermix some ideas here and there on Tuesday, do do a shell drill that might prep us for how we might guard an opponent on Saturday. But for 99% of what we do uh, in practice throughout the week is 
first off, a lot of it's about us anyways in our game plan and what we're going to do offensively and things and stuff. So, you you know, and then, then you spend time on your defensive game plan, how you're going to guard things. And I just think it's too tough to remember two different game plans like that. And so uh, when you do Friday, Saturday, you're all in on that Friday night. Like I said, the staff's prepared. We know what the game plan is going to be come Saturday. And then guys show up. We watch film of Saturday's opponent on Saturday mornings, give them the scouting report. We go through it. We do a walkthrough on the floor and just talk about it. A lot of times on Saturday, it's it's the deeper, tougher teams that win those games, and and because it's it's tough. But that, that's that's a quick turnaround. The Friday Saturday, when I was assistant at MSU uh, playing, and when we were in the NSIC, obviously they, they it was Friday Saturday as well, and so uh, and that's how we did it over there as well. Jared's been playing great recently. Uh, Brian has been really good all season, as expected. Um, what can you say about their leadership and then also guys like Kyrie, Jacob, and Jarrett? Yeah, we, we have phenomenal senior leadership. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, the, you, you mentioned Brian's been great all year. Jarrett's, Jarrett's just an ultimate do-it-all guy. I mean, he's a, he's a, a wing that's going to leave here as the uh, career leader in rebounds. Uh, so that that sums up his career to me in the – in, in a nutshell right there as far as just a do-it-all guy of that phenomenal kind of just goes about his business and, and uh you know leads by example from that standpoint uh you know not only is he gonna lead that and then he scores over a thousand points too so he's just a combo guy like that uh is pretty special uh, with that but our senior group as a whole they've won a ton of games they've had really special careers here and uh ho- hopefully they got a special week coming up here uh as well but they've had they've had yeah i mean obviously you said brian's been fantastic Kyrie having him coming off injury like missed the entire year that's hard to do that's hard to do and, and, and then he's had a couple injuries throughout this year as well and he just keeps showing up warrior keeps working uh, with that when he is out he's a phenomenal teammate on the bench uh, thanks Jacob as well. Jacob's role has changed at times throughout the year. He, he was starting. He was coming off the bench. He played. We asked him to play the four, guard the five, you know, guard guard a point guard, you know. So he we asked him to do a lot of two things, and he just puts his head down and goes to work uh, with that. And uh, he's Jared as well. JT, it's it's unfortunate, right? He's the last year of his career, and uh, he's just. It, I think he got hurt like the last open gym before the first day of practice. And uh, has basically been hurt the entire year then, had, had to have ankle surgery as well. But, again, guy that's at practice every day, great teammate. Guys love having him on the road trips, all those things. And so that speaks a lot about his character. That's going to carry over well for him when he's done here. Looking at your five conference losses this year, um, combined 17 points. I mean, that's not even a blowout differential in a single game. Um, tied with a minute to go at Northland. Led the whole way hosting North Central until the overtime period. A uh, 17-point lead against Northwestern at home within two in the final minute. Led by five with under two minutes to play uh, at Northwestern. And then led by two in the final minute last night. I mean, what do you say in the locker room to the guys when these tough li- losses, I mean, they could conceivably take a toll on your team? Thanks for that reminder. Uh, no, uh, I, you know, it's, it's a different message after each game, but that I think it's a credit to like last night I walked in the locker room and guys already were saying hundred percent what I was going to tell them. And so uh, when you got veteran guys, they know we're right there in these games and that's the reality of college basketball. It's a reality of conference games in college basketball. It's, it's going to come down to the wire. And so you got to make some coaching adjustments. You got to make some plays and, and see what happens. Right. And so the, they've all been great games. We just, like I said, just came up short on those things, our message is you got to show up the next day regardless, right? You, when you win on a Friday night, you got to put that win away and show up on Saturday ready to win. If you lose on Friday, you got to do the same thing. And our guys bounce back after those lo- after those tough losses on some Friday nights it have, has been phenomenal. And I have zero doubt that we will uh, we will show up ready to work this week and, and see what happens. You, it seems like you can beat anyone 
to be the four seed, what's the message going into the tournament? Yeah, everyone's zero and zero, right? I mean, everyone now, now everyone in uh, in December when we opened up uh, conference weekends had the same goals. All eight teams this week have the same goals. Uh, that you take it one day at a time. You show up uh, ready to work, and and uh, by the, by this time of year, everyone's going to know what everyone's going to be doing. You kind of are who you are, and uh, you got to enjoy it. You got to go out there and play to win the game, and uh, and see what happens. But have a lot of fun. A conference this time of year, it's great, and so uh, you got to enjoy it. You got to appreciate the time you're around uh, around each other, and uh, and see what happens. Can you take anything from your playing days um, at Bethany heading into the UMAC tournaments? Um, obviously, you were one seed heading into the tournament, the 2011-12 season. Um, Northwestern coincidentally ended up winning that tournament. Um, any any sort of takeaways from that that you can uh, give to the guys? Yeah, I think you know, I, I think the, like we already talked about, you having some fun, right? Those are some special memories that I'll look back on. Uh, obviously, we came up short in, t- in title games both years and stuff, but. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun to play in those games and, and uh, the big moments. Actually, Coach Gross and I on uh, on Friday night before the game were talking about a couple of those games when I when I played. And uh, so it's just it's about enjoying it and having some fun and uh, and just going out there playing your tail off and, and like I said, see what happens. Your defense recently has seemed to step up at times. Obviously, against Northwestern, a huge defensive night. Um, your next game against Wisconsin Superior, you've played them twice. You opened the tourney against them last year. They're a physical team. What do you need to do to get the win? Oh, yeah, they're an extremely, extremely good defensive team. Uh, they're really tough on the basketball. Uh, they do a great job in their ball screen coverage, being very physical with you. They rebound the ball extremely well. They got some size and, and really good guard play uh, with that. So the number one thing we got to do is come out, match their toughness and physicality for sure uh, with that, and and then be ready to guard. Uh, you got you got to if they're if they're going to guard you, you got to be ready to guard them uh, with that. Try to make get up and down a little bit in transition uh, with that. But we got to come out, match their physicality and toughness. Know it's going to be a great game and, and approach it that way, and just go be ourselves. Final question here, uh, between a seven-game win streak, the growth that you've seen uh, as a team after Christmas especially, some freshmen stepping up and Riley and Ryan and Drew, what are you proudest of so far this year of your guys? Our guys, are just ne- they've never quit. They've never quit uh, with that. And that's top to bottom. That's not just guys that are getting minutes. Uh, we got guys that don't don't step on the floor, uh, you know, and they show up every day and practice and work hard and have a great attitude. Our team energy on our bench has been phenomenal uh, this year. And so I'm just really proud of the fact that we've we faced some adversity, right? Some tough losses, some injuries, some things up and down uh, with some things. We played an extremely tough non-conference schedule to prep us for it. Uh, with that, we handled the ups and downs of that extremely well. Guys in and out of the lineup all year long, really. And, and so uh, this might be the most I've changed the starting lineup ever on any staff I've been uh, been a part of. And uh, and so our, and our guys just show up every day ready to work. And they've, they've, they've never lost confidence. They've never lost confidence in themselves, in each other, in the staff. And so and that says a lot. And uh, and so, um, you know, we, when we were I think we lost uh, well, we lost North Central and Northwestern at home to fall under 500 in conference. And I said, there's gonna be a lot of people that are, that are there to doubt in some things right now. And it's, it's gotta be about these guys in this locker room. And uh, they made it about that and they, they've trusted it and they kept working and they're going to keep working. And that's what, that's what I'm really proud about is I know zero doubt that at least, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen with results. Right. But that nothing's guaranteed in life with those things. Um, but I know we're going to play hard, show up, represent things the right way. And, and that's what I'm most proud of. That was coach Garvin joining the Bethany Vikings podcast coach thank you for your time thanks for having me joining us now on the bethany viking podcast a coach who's had experience coaching at the division one level and internationally as well in china currently in his seventh year as head coach of both the cross country and track and field programs here at bethany head coach michael dunn welcome to the podcast coach 
I appreciate it. I didn't know if I was going to make it here today. <laughs> <laughs> um, glad you did. Glad you did. Let's talk about uh, your China experience for a second and what that was like going to a different country kind of early on in your coaching career. What was the experience like? What were some things you maybe brought from that experience um, over here to Bethany and just kind of talk about that experience? Oh, man. So, yeah, digging deep here. I uh, definitely was interested in always traveling. Like, I loved traveling around the world. I was blessed with opportunities to do that. And um, my 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 family's actually been to China a couple times, and they have a few colleges that they visited there, and, and one was wanting to start a track and field program. And they had a track and field all set up, uh, outdoor facilities. They had a weight room right on. Um, the like under the bleachers that windows out to the field so it was like super nice facility and everything um and when i got out there um and they talked about you know what the position would all entail and how they wanted to build a track and field program um it, it was exciting because i've you know been involved in track and field my whole life high school college um i kind of seen behind the scenes stuff to help out coaches and stuff like that as well when i was when i was in college myself and and so being able to um kind of hear how much they wanted to build it up and make it more like, you know, what had gone on in the U S for, um, track and field programs. I thought, okay, you know, I've, I've seen that. I, I want to be able to do that. I didn't know a lick of Chinese. <laughs> so this is like, you know, I knew ni hao, <laughs> and, uh, you know, washer Maguire. That means I'm an American. A couple of things you learn, like right when you get over there and then you start, you know, Jiaozi, right and like the, my favorite food when i was there you got to f- figure out your favorite food okay but um you know i think just in general being able to get over um you know to china was was always something that i thought would be would be fun because it was it's different than europe you know it's there's a lot of unique things to it and um i remember the day one it was raining and i got out there to meet the team and um, had a translator and was talking with the team and that was that was something in itself having a translator you, yeah. you're hoping that it works but we've all played telephone tag and we know how that works too mm-hmm. so um i remember we met in the weight room and i was like hey we're gonna go on the track and warm up and everybody kind of looked at me like i was you know obviously an american but also yeah. foreign in a sense of like what are you talking about um they'd never ran in the rain before and so all these individuals they're majoring in track and field you don't you're not in a english class and then you're majoring in you know philosophy or uh english or anything like that and and you're in track and field you're majoring in track and field so there's about 20 some per gender and uh it was very unique because um again they'd experienced something completely new day one going outside in the rain realizing that they could train outside and it's not just weightlifting days <laughs> and uh, distance group never realized you could train off a track. So, you know, we were running around town and we had cars of, um, you know, Chinese literally like following us, Jai, oh, Jai, oh, Jai, cheering us on. Um, that means go, 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 mm-hmm. come on. And, and so we would just have these, you know, trains of vehicles following us on the road because they thought it was so different. Um so it was very exciting to kind of be a part of that and and see that grow. And at the end of the, the whole experience, we kind of had a provincial championship, which would kind of equate to like high school, state, but in college, that's kind of how they do their track and field final t- t- uh, championships. And um, we, we ended up doing all right. We finished like fourth or something out of 12. And um, top four, top five actually got like trophies all based on height, but they were all NBA style trophies. 
So really? Pat Lyle would have been over the moon to see these <laughs> things, but it was just a basketball sitting on top of a trophy, and it very much looked like an NBA Finals trophy. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, but it was it was pretty exciting to to be able to see because we walked away with some hardware that year, and um, you know was able to train a few other coaches. But the experience in general was was crazy. I mean, it was just so, like I said, different than Europe and, and whatnot. And, um, I, I do it again in a heartbeat, but it was a lot of fun. So you talk about winning a trophy, um, you know, about the size of the Larry O'Brien <laughs> trophy for the NBA. Um, now you've come here and you've been the coach for several, um, conference championship winners. Most recently, uh, Kayla Tobin winning cross country for the first time, uh, in program history for a female athlete to win a cross conference country individual championship like that um track and cross country have often been labeled like individual sports uh for you and working with as many individuals as you do how do you kind of go about developing relationships with athletes who can specialize in different events because you're working with all the distance people all the sprints people all the jumpers all the throwers and different things how do you kind of go about um developing those relationships I mean, it's very much a puzzle. I think every individual brings something special to our program, and it's different, right? Somebody might come in and say they're they're looking for an experience of, of being part of a collegiate athletic program. Somebody might be coming in and saying, hey, I want to be a conference champion. I want, I want to qualify for big meets. I want to have a chance to go out to our you know regional qualifier in Chicago. I, I want to be the first Bethany track and field athlete to qualify for division three national meet. But those are things that everybody comes in with kind of just a different mindset. But one thing that I, you know, I find at least for me that, that I get the most out of each individual is that they bring passion, they bring drive, they bring, you know, a sense of, Hey, I'm belonging here because I'm able to contribute this way, this way, and this way. And so for me as a coach with different event groups and working with each individual, um, beyond just the practice and meet element, but the human element of it, like I, I can, I can look at each of these individuals and say, okay, you're going to grow this way. You're going to grow this way. You're going to grow this way. You, you know, this is your weakness. This is your weakness and being able to help them as much as I can through this. And in that process, hopefully, you know, they're growing, you know, on the track in their running events or they're growing in, in the jumps as well and the throws. Um, and I think, so trying to build that, that family here has been a way for me to be able to, uh, I guess encompass everyone in a sense of saying like, um, you know, I, I want to be able to bring it for our best athlete, you know, that, that has maybe won a championship now already and wanting to win more and more and more, or the athlete that's coming in without that experience or without having that, um, that, that background in, in success. And so I want these individuals to understand that no matter where you are on that spectrum, you're going to have the same from me as a coach. Um, let's talk about some individuals now on the team and performances they've had this year. Uh, we'll start with Kayla Tobin, who I mentioned a little earlier, who not only won the conference championship individually for cross country in the fall, um, she's also the defending indoor 3k and was a part of the DMR championship team from last year. Um, obviously last year was a very different season from what a lot of coaches and a lot of athletes were accustomed to no cross country in the fall. Um, indoor looked very different than what it does now. Um, what have you seen from Kayla in terms of her growth and being able to really just keep getting after it in practices and stuff from last year to now? Oh man. I mean, it's, there's so much you see as a coach, individuals growing in, um, across the board, but I think Kayla, 
has has found a way to be able to use whether it's I don't know if energy is the right like word, but you know adrenaline. It, she's able to use everything that like kind of builds up, you know, from her day, from her week. And I think she's able to channel it a lot more. And and um, you know, it's easy coming in and kind of you know flying by the seat of your fan, pants as a freshman <laughs> and 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 being able to um, you know kind of just get out there and and do your best, but when you do have like that kind of title now and, and you're somebody that not just, you know, on our team that people know you, but your conference too, um, you know, it's different. So I think it's just continuously pushing that, that limit continuously, um, you know, doing your best in training and everything and then trusting in that process. And she's been able to really immerse herself into that. I mean, a lot of people don't know about Kayla too. Like she has come from, you know, high school, not, you know, having the success that she's had here. And so she is, she's changed like her own, you know, uh, immersiveness into what she's doing day in and day out. And, you know, I I really believe she's inspiring a lot of people and there's individuals that, you know, look at Bethany and say, Hey, like, look what this, you know, young woman's doing. Like, I want to be able to go and do that. And she does it so much more than just what she's doing. Like I said, with times on the track, but, um, she's she's incredible and she's she's like i said um very much so um moving in the right direction in a lot of aspects of her life right now you talk about inspiring too i mean it's easy to look at bethany right now you see uh people like hannah geisfeld kayla tobin let's talk about another um young woman who has found success in stephanie whiprod who i wrote down here is crazy athletic but i think that's an understatement because (laughs) she is a person that is very high energy but also can just do just about anything you ask her she has a background in gymnastics and cheerleading she's competed internationally as well in australia um doing things like that how is it working with an athlete like steph who um you know she'll do the jumps she'll do the throwing she'll do you know just about anything besides wanting to do the running and then you have to (laughs) turn around and then go work with an athlete like kayla who i want the 10k i want the 5k i want the 3k what's kind of like the balance that you kind of have to find as a coach working with different athletes like that Oh man. I mean, Kayla would do anything if you asked her to, but that's the thing is, is you figure out these individuals and like, how are they, what are they going to be able to do to most effectively grow as an individual and help the team? Um, and I think, you know, Stephanie does, I mean, her background is very different than Kayla. She has had a lot of success in high school. Um, and when it comes to what, you know, she's doing now, I mean, being able to, talk to an individual like Steph about, you know, multiple events, you know, in different event areas um, is in a way almost, it's more similar than you think it would be as talking to somebody like Kayla about, you know, a couple events that are in the same event group Um, because, you know, the approach of what a student athlete should be taken to whatever event they're in is relatively the same. And it's, you know, you got to put in the work. I think somebody like Steph might be doing, you know, multiple event workouts in a couple days, whereas Kayla's just, you know, focusing on grinding away at, you know, mileage and and getting after some distance workouts and stuff. So, you know, I think the drive, the time commitment, the sacrifice is there from both of those athletes. Um, and, and, And honestly, you see that with 
athletes that, you know, like Hannah Geisfeld, <laughs> like the, the sacrifice, the commitment, the dedication, all that pays off. And it's not, like I said, it's not always necessarily about, um, you know, the time of an athlete running or the mark, but you see the consistency meter maybe bumping up and, and they're constantly doing well in these areas. And there's a lot of individuals, you know, on the team that, that have that and including you, Jake. And I think that's kind of <laughs> cool to be able to, you know, see. And like I said, be on this podcast and I, I, I doubt you're asking me too many questions about yourself because that's just who you are. But I, you know, I think you're in that category when it comes to that too. And just being able to, to know that it, it's a process of sacrifice, dedication, finding yourself and, and, you know, both Steph and, and Kayla have that. And as a coach, it's, it's just managing the events that they're doing that in. And, and then also trying to keep them mentally not too high, not too low. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, there have been moments where we bring up the accomplishments that I've I've had of being a part of the team and whatnot. <laughs> I was even being told, like, are you sure you want to interview Coach Dunn? I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> just because I also love to talk about what my teammates are doing. One of those teammates um, being Jake Marzinski, who, you know, being able to watch him, he he always jumps so far. Um, and I, I, I want to talk about triple jump specifically with Jake. Um, first off, He's not the first person from his family um, taking no. part in this team. He's actually coached by his sister, uh, Danielle Wold. Um, and it's not the first brother-sister kind of duo that you've seen here on the team either. You right. currently have uh, two that I know of, uh, and myself and my sister, Naomi Anderson, but then also Sienna and Josiah Hoppy as well. Um, you talk about family uh, so much and like the team being a part of the family. What's it like seeing not only brothers and sisters from the same family being on the team, kind of adding that family aspect, but then having Danny and Jake working together in that jumps department. Yeah, it's really special. We actually had Marissa Voss and her dad on the team a couple of years ago too. And, That's right. And, and yeah. Being able to see that dynamic uh, take place. Cause in, you know, I don't know if a lot of listeners know necessarily about like Marzinski family. Um, but in general, I mean, Danielle had had some great success here. She had quite a few of our records for <laughs> a while. And then Kari came along and Kari started dropping, you know, those records down <laughs> a little bit more. And I, I even when Kari graduated, I, I talked about how I, I think she is one of the most, for sure, one of the most underrated athletes that's gone through Bethany ever in the history of Bethany athletics. But she is was one of the most extremely athletic women that that I believe I've ever coached and regardless of where I've coached it, just talent wise um it's it's crazy with that Marzinski family and um Jake like I said it, or like you've talked about as well he kind of you know he, he's grown up and you know I've had those inside conversations a little bit with Danny <laughs> in the past too but you know Jake you can kind of tell from that he said yeah you know Jake was kind of you know he picked on a little bit by us older sisters when we had a chance and <laughs> And, but you see like that drive in him, like that kind of made him like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do what my sisters are doing. I want to, I want to go and, and, and be able to accomplish those things and have that success and get after it like them. And, um, you know, I think family is a big part of, you know, how we're able to, you know, grow and, and what we're able to kind of latch on to, to be able to push ourselves. And so when we talk about, you know, seeing those family members, the, the Sour family was here and they were able to, you know, get after things. And, and with you and your sister, you know, you see a lot of, 
um, kind of uniqueness uh, because everybody's different. Their, their sibling is different than who they are. And, and I think that's something that I very much want siblings to know is, no, you're not coming here because your brother or your sister are here. You're not like, I'm not training you the way that I would train your brother or your sister. Uh, I'm training you for what is the best way for you to train to become successful. Um, and, and that's going to be different for everybody. So it's really cool to see those dynamics and then that family shift to, you know, like I said, our whole t- program, our whole team and, and wanting everybody to kind of feel like brothers and sisters here. It, it definitely does feel that way a lot. And for those of you who maybe haven't seen our track and field team, you know, interacting in public and whatnot, it, it definitely is like a big, you know, family, a lot of fun arguments and different things, picking on each other and whatnot. But at the end of the day, there for each other. And that especially is kind of heightened at this conference time, which we'll take a look at conference now. Um, we'll start on the women's side. Uh, currently Minnesota Morris, I think was tabbed as going to be the top team, but you very much a big like stats guy looking at numbers, looking at times, comparing things and different things like that have seen the gap between Morris and Bethany shrinking over the past couple of weeks. What events are you kind of looking at and what events would you say, Hey listeners, if you want to see like how this is going to, if you want to see an exciting race or different things like that, what, what, um, events are some of the key events that you're kind of looking at? Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to, to really, you know, and I will pinpoint some, but it's hard to really pinpoint a couple because of the fact that there are just going to be so many, and again, track and field is full of different events and, and every race is going to be meaningful when it comes to, at the end of the day, the championship points. But, um, you know, I, I think some areas that we're going to need to really look at are some of those distance mid distance to distance events, because I know that, um, you know, Morris has great mid distance and distance athletes and depending on what they're doing and how they're doing that day and how our mid distance and how our distance athletes are doing that day and how other teams, mid distance and distance athletes are doing that day, it can change a lot. Um, so those I think are going to be big races. Um, you know, even if you're, if you're excited to, to see, you know, maybe some all conference, um, opportunities. There's a lot of events out there as well, but I think the jumping events when it comes to triple long, uh, high, I mean, we, we want to be able to get after those and get after them good and hard. Um, we're going to need points there for sure. Um, and then, you know, we, we talk about where points can be won and lost. And I think we really need to see how Morris comes through in some of those sprinting events, because if they can do well there, it's going to be tougher, but if they get, pushed by you know other teams in our conference and us as well like it's it's going to be a game changer so i think there's a lot that we still need to be able to do and i think at the championship level you know experience is a big deal and as you know you and a lot of people that follow us know we are a very young team for both men and women um but that doesn't change the fact that you know we're we've put ourselves in a position to to kind of get after it and have a good meet and and so we go out there and we do our best and that's that's all we can do yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, only two seniors um, this year uh, on both teams for both men and women. So basically the whole core is coming back for another run at it next year. are going to have that year under their belt uh, and different things like that. Let's look at the men's side now. Um, right now, Wisconsin Superior is projected to win by about 180 points. Uh, the next closest team is 
Northwestern projected at around 110 or something like that. You, you've you talked about how it's going to take like four or five teams just to equal the score that Superior is projected to get. But this Vikings team has a chance to possibly um, battle for second with Northwestern. They're right neck and neck for that second spot. Um, again, same kind of question. Like, What are some of the key events that you feel are going to kind of ultimately decide who gets that second spot behind superior who is far and out ahead of everybody else right now yeah i mean superior is just so strong in so many different areas this year um i mean i don't think we've i don't think we've ever seen as dominant a team as we are this year from what superior has um it's pretty crazy when you when you think about even the second and third place team you know not being you know, for for us in Northwestern, again, like we, we should both be, you know, getting up triple digits uh, for points, which is pretty good. If you can get over 100, that's that's a good weekend. Um, but I think it, it's it's just mind boggling to know, like, you had our points up, you had a couple other teams points up and, and, and maybe we can get superior. That that in itself um, just shows their depth. But, you know, events that we're going to need, you know, this this weekend for sure. I mean, we we always like to get after relays, but I think there's going to be some relays that, that are going to be very impactful. I mean, last year it came down to the last relay for us to, to take out, <laughs> to beat crown. So, um, and it, I, I think, you know, that there's no reason why that can't kind of be the end for this as well with Northwestern this year. So I think, um, relays are going to be important. I, you know, I also think when it comes to being able to get those points in areas that, that we need them, we, we know that, you know, we've got to get points where we can in distance. We got to get points where we can in mid distance. Um, one thing that's, that's definitely been kind of holding us back a little bit this year. It seems like we're always having, we've had injuries a lot this year. We've had COVID close contacts. We've had all this stuff that right. Every team's dealing with, but, um, for some of our athletes, we just never really got going. And Will Dower is, is one of those guys where it's like, hey, you're going to be getting after it this next weekend. And this is really like your third meet of the year. <laughs> yeah, I know Jake, too. He was out the first, you know, he was out until for, the end of January. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for them, the nice thing is too, like, yeah, it's resting you up, but you're not getting that competition. And, and I think for for us, too, you know, we're hoping that um, with a little bit of recovery from this last weekend and um, and kind of how we've been building as the season goes on we you know we hope that, that we're ready to roll but i think um you don't want to show all of our cards for like events necessarily for <laughs> men or women but for sure um, i do know that you know there's there's going to be some good events field events as well as um running events and ideally everybody's watching all weekend live stream it on your computer put it on silent you know throw it on for the day or whatever and and just check it out but um i i think there's there's plenty to see and and no matter what you're watching you know, at whatever time you're, you're likely going to be watching you know, one of your fellow classmates or you know, for sure a Bethany, you know, college mate that that's going to be out there competing. Is it crazy for you uh, going back to the whole COVID um, protocol, Jake getting a late start? Is it crazy for you to see him go out and jump? What was it? A 14.18 meter jump, have a whole meter on the rest of the conference and be ranked right now nationally in the top 25 off of basically like little to no like actual practice work in practice you know jake is interesting the marzinski family is all interesting but you know i think recovery has a lot 
to do with that being like slow to go. And by that, I mean, just like taking a couple weeks, jumping is very different too. You know, he's, it's not that he hasn't been doing anything. He's been able to get out and, and do some drill work. He's been able to do a little bit of strength work here and there. It's not the same as what he'd be able to do potentially, but um, you know, triple jump is a really hard event on your legs. It's kind of like running a 5k, um, you know, <laughs> very different events, but as far as how much it does to like break down your body, you need a lot of recovery after you do that. So you can't do a 5k every week. You can't go in and do triple jump necessarily every week. So having a little bit of that rest in there, I think has, has really allowed him to just, you know, maybe hopefully feel a little bit more fresh and, um, you know, this last week of recovery, hopefully going into conference, he's, he's able to kind of feel the same. All right. Uh, the everything for the schedule and whatnot for field events and track events, as well as things like the program and live results and everything can be found on the conferences website under the uh, championships tab. You just scroll down to the indoor track and field championships. Um, final question I have for you, coach, and this is going back to the women's um, the women's side of the meet. You've coached a lot of individual conference championships. What would it mean for you to have that team banner drop for the first time? Oh man. I mean, this is individual banners have been great and they always will be. They're incredible. It's really hard as you personally know, Jake, and to win a championship. Like I don't think people necessarily understand like, yeah, you could be the best going in, but if you're not feeling great or if you have a couple other events that are going on or, you know, if the tactics of that event are different that day, which happens every year, it's not, it's not the same. Um, it, it can be taken away in a snap. And so I think being able to just as a team, you know, we've, we've been wanting to, to build the right team for both men and women since I got here with individuals, not just, you know, a handful of individuals that kind of carry that dedication and that work ethic and that drive, but for a team to do it, like you have to have everybody on board for that. And, um, in this group that we have right now, again, they're getting close. They're getting really close to being able to to have an entire team that has kind of what you need in your toolbox <laughs> to, to be able to, to get it done. And so, um, you know, we, we really hope that, you know, this weekend that stuff takes play. We know experience matters. We know we're a young group, but, um, you got to take those chances, you know, when you're, when you're there, you've got to get after it. And, and, um, the women's team is on board to, to get after it the way they need to. Um, and, and we'll, we'll see how the cards fall in a way, but I think, um, you know, Morris is such, you know, a sound team. They've been there before they've done it before it multiple times. Um, and so, you know, we, we just want to, we're, we're kind of, you know, cinder at the ball. And we're not like in, invited. We're not necessarily like the person that's like, Hey, you know, these are, this is the, this is the group that you should be watching. But I think in general, um, we're here and, and, and we're, we're feeling like we're knocking on the door a little bit. And I think that's really exciting because like I said, like you were mentioning, um, you know, how, how it means to me, like it means more to me how the student athletes get their experience and what they get from their experience. And when you can do that as a team, as every individual on this team will find out whenever that day is that, that we get to do something like that, um, you realize that every single person has put in what it need, what needs to be done to get there, you know, and, 
and both Lyle and Pat, like they, <laughs> they, they know, they know what that can mean and how that feels as a group. And, um, and so I, I think just being able to have, have a, a shot here is exciting. Um, and we're not there yet, but I think being able to, uh, you know, do that would, would be very special because again, as a coach, that's, that's what you want. You want to have a team championship. You want everybody to be able to live in that glory a bit. For sure. Well, we want to thank you for taking the time out to uh, come on the podcast and talk a little bit about, um, you know, your coaching experience and giving us a look inside of track and field and whatnot. And best of luck this weekend as we'll uh, go up to uh, Wisconsin Superior, have a fun two days up there competing for conference. Yeah, you too, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. So, heard from all three coaches. I mean, it's always fun being able to kind of interview and hear about the different sports going on and whatnot and what the coaches kind of have um, for takes and things like that. Um, yeah, looking at the week in advance, it's going to be a jam-packed week uh, in terms of events. We have basketball starting Tuesday. Um, again, women's basketball hosts Northland at 5.30. Men's basketball will host superior at 7 30 um and then from there we'll figure out who they play where when how why and all that stuff as it kind of happens track and field will be at the university of wisconsin superior on friday and saturday um we'll have softball with another round of double headers at the bubble over at msu um saturday and sunday and then men's and women's uh, tennis will have a meet at St. Mary's University and then in just a little short while we'll even have baseball starting as they have a double header coming up at the beginning of March March Madness is upon us <laughs> what a crazy hectic time of year and again no better time to be a Bethany sports fan uh, I mean you get so many different sports going on at the same time and whatnot and uh, spring just around the corner as we're recording the podcast today it's 50 degrees out uh, fantastic weather, probably going to go and get a run in, uh, and just be outside and whatnot. But any final thoughts you have from what we heard from the different coaches and just kind of looking forward at the week? Well, it's always, it's f always fun to hear from them and get their perspective on things. Um, both of them are great. I, all three of them are great interviews, right? And, um, uh, for that run for you, you better get that in quick. This weather's going to change. Um, it <laughs> really it won't feel like spring for long. We, Minnesota weather is always fun because we go from 50 degrees one day to now we're talking about snow and a lot of it coming up. But yeah, uh, for this episode, that pretty much just wraps it up for myself and for Gabe. Uh, we'll have Brock back next week and who knows who we'll have on next week. I'm, I'm sure they're, I'm sure we're going to get, uh, good feeling for updates from the conference tournament we're going to take a look at softball and baseball probably uh start getting rolling on covering that stuff and even take a look at tennis too and whatnot and who knows we might just have a 50 minute long conversation about stuff you never know because why not and because why not exactly but for myself and for gabe we thank you for listening to the bethany vikings podcast we'll see you next week